Okay, well, I, I'm excited about this lesson, and I'll tell you more when I get into it a little bit um, about why I'm excited about this lesson. Um, because it's extra special God gave it to me. So, um, and uh, I just want to jump right in, and, oh, I know what I want to do. You know, two weeks ago we dealt with dealing with difficult people, and so um, how's that working for you guys? Um, Ellen shared a little bit, just with me personally, that, you know, we found difficult people in our life all of a sudden. <laughs> Any comments or thoughts or how's it going? Yeah. We're still good. Yay! Yeah, yeah. It's not quite so difficult, huh? No, no. Come around. And... <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. good. Excellent. And then I had another opportunity for somebody that she's not difficult at all. I just don't respect some of the things about her mm -hmm. at all. And my boss uh, made me start mentoring her. Every week now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I put <coughs> Becky on her and did goals and values. <laughs> so, so, no. Oh, is this the girl you mentioned to me that's in, um, you made her get a Franklin Covey or is this a, no, it's an American? Very good. Colleen, you kind of nod your head too yeah, or my just. My mom is really a difficult person. Okay. I've really been praying. And, and rather than, you know, I talk to her every day. Yeah. And rather than getting. Upset with her, agitated with her. I said, Lord, let me shut it. Mm, that's good. And she's been so much more open and pleased. I mean, it's like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. It works. <laughs> it does work. It does work. Greatest worst, I think, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it does. And it, it's all about dying to self. I mean, it's so much of it is. And our pride. And I was thinking about a friend and, it's so hard for her to ask for help, and I just, you know, I just, and people are so willing to help. I mean, they want to do things, and she just is so hard for her to do. And I thought, girl, you're just, you know, you're, it's prideful. I mean, it's hard, and I know it's hard to ask for help, but nine times out of ten, it's just you're just prideful. Ask for help. Let people serve you and come alongside of you, because everybody will be blessed in that way. So, anyways, but it's not fun. None of us like to die to self, that's for sure. Um, anybody else want to have difficult people they want to share us, Vicki? Yes. I have to admit this. I'm a difficult person. No, that's not really what I want to do. Uh, no, my stepdad. I think I mentioned this yeah. before. Um, he's actually going in for surgery. I mentioned, forgot about this earlier. He's going for surgery tomorrow for an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Wow. And he is so lost. Um, he's yeah. actually started drinking again. Oh. He had stopped for a long time. So mm. very, very hostile and verbally abusive to my mother. So, and it's getting worse. So, Yes, we have a difficult person. Okay. <laughs> All right. And so how are you responding, though? Are I you praying? I'm this afternoon, so please pray for me. Yeah. And I'll say the right thing. Yeah, or not say anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah, exactly. Good. Good. Okay. Well, we are in Psalm 119, verses 89 through 96 is where we're going to go today. And um, we're flying through this. Um, oh, Carolyn. Did you get a handout, Carolyn? You got one? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, let's just read this. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. Okay, I really need to put my glasses on to read this, but with it being higher, I'm, I'm doing this. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> all right, so let's just, just you know, quit being prideful. <laughs> A lot of it's kind of lazy because I can kind of make it happen, but oh, look at there. There's spaces between the letters even. <laughs> Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day. For all things are your servant. 
If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. So that, that was Becky's translation added there. I'll never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Today I want to talk about three things that we know for sure and three things that we've got to choose. And number one, that th number one thing that we know for sure is God's word is forever fixed in the heaven. You guys know um, how much I love the word of God and um, how, you know, it's just, it's, it's life. And we'll talk, that's one of the points too, but I mean, it's just everything we need for life and godliness is in the word and it's available to us and we just don't know it. The other, I'm reading through the Bible and I was in Job um, and I was really struggling when I was reading through Job because I was like, you know, when you're reading it and I wasn't struggling like Job was struggling, but when you're reading it, you're like, okay, what's the voice of the, you know, you can't hear the voice of the person writing. So is he being sarcastic? Is he being, you know, and so it was you know, of course, I probably could have pulled a commentary out, and but I'm on a mission to read the Bible through, and so, <laughs> so really, so it was like I didn't underline things, I didn't make notes in it, I mean, it just, but listen to this, so Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food, and it, I mean, there in the middle of Job talks about, number one, I need to portion my food, I mean, I need to, not just eat as large a you know, portion control. It's, it's not rocket science. I mean, we want to control our weight. We do portion control on that. And that we need to understand that his words are better than food. And I spoke yesterday up in Ohio at this event, and I said, and it convicted me, how much time do we spend in preparation, cooking, shopping, buying, sitting at a restaurant, in preparation for food? Do we spend a quarter of that in the Word? And I was like, whoa, dang. You know, if I thought his words were better than that. You know, and it's really, that comes down to, this, his word is for sure, but do we really believe it? Um, Psalm 138, too, says, um, it says a lot. The second half is, is what I want. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Your name and your word. At the end of it all, when Jesus comes back, or um, well, when Jesus comes back, or when we go to heaven, really, the only two things we take with us are people and the word. You know, Jesus is already there. But everything else is gone. I had a mentor tell me, this is, you know what? We're on a really, really bad vacation, living in crummy hotels, driving around rental cars, you know, because this is all temporary. This is all going to, nothing, nothing that we see. Nothing that we see. Second Corinthians 4.17, and I did not know these two verses were together that I was heading for. I knew I wanted both of these verses, but I didn't realize until I did the, Bible gateway that they were side by side. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says this. For the this momentary, the, this light momentary aff affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparisons. So whatever is going on, and this is Paul just talked about, you know, I've been beaten, I've been slain, I've been, you know, these are all just light momentary afflictions. This is for a short season. This is for a short season. So, you know, I only got my mom 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. It's short. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. You know, my stepdad's dead. I'm going to keep my mouth, because this is light momentary afflictions that we're going through. You know, for me, I mean, I had an awful night's sleep on Friday night. I'm in a hotel, and I watched the, I love football, you know. So I watched the West Virginia Marshall game, and I don't know if any of you guys even care about this, but Marshall is, who saw the movie We Are Marshall, which is, 
that plane crashed in the 70s and everybody except for one coach was killed and and um, so you, ca you know it's just the spirit they're all thugs right now I think but you know but um, they lost by they were up by 15 points with 10 minutes left in the game and they lost the game and so I couldn't go to sleep because I was just I was like, I could never be married to a coach or have kids playing ball because I would not, I, I couldn't make it. I mean, I was freaking, I didn't even know these boys. And I was, I was, I mean, I felt bad for them. And um, so I didn't sleep well last night. And then I, we did our event yesterday and 6.30 caught a flight from um, Ohio to Atlanta. You know what, you have to go from Cincinnati to Atlanta to get to Houston on Saturday. But I want to get back to teach the lesson because I know I'd be gone. And so I get to Atlanta. And I look at the board, and then my 9.30 flight's been delayed to 10. And then my flight's, my 10 o'clock flight's been delayed to 11. And then my 11 o'clock flight's been delayed to 11.45. And about, um, uh, I don't know, 10.30, 9.30, sometime, I, I started texting Vicki and said, Vicki, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to teach in the morning. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get awake. And so... Um, it, you know it is. I mean, 9.30 flight, that's usually my bedtime. I'm just getting on a flight in Atlanta. We finally took off about midnight, and I got in about 2. At least the good thing is that I had, um, I had a row by myself, so I was able to sleep for a lot of the time. But all that, light sleep, you know, airport food, I mean, that's, I mean, that is very light, and it's momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory. And the Lord woke me up at 6.30 this morning and gave me the lesson, and... Um, you know, I kind of knew where I was, but I wasn't sure what we were supposed to do. And, and so I texted Vicki and said, you know, hold the precious. I got a word. It's light momentary afflictions for eternal weight of glory that we need to press on and make it worth. And so I take a nap this afternoon, no big deal. Verse 18, though, and this is what I love. I didn't know these went together. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Everything that we see around us today is going to be gone. Everything. Our bodies Everything that our, our physical eyes can see today will be gone. And we need to not look at these physical things that are around us, but we need to look at the unseen things, the eternal things that we can't see. People's, you know, even, even dealing relationally with people, their, their um, emotions. You know, you can't even see their emotions, but hey, how are we doing? I mean, they might read all over their face, but we need to think about those things. So God's word is, is fixed forever in heaven, and we need to be mindful of his word, and then we need to understand that we need to be fixed on heaven as well, fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and the goal that's set before us, and we can press on with them. The second thing is that God's word displays God's faithfulness. God's word displays God's faithfulness. And I didn't put the reference, but I'm sure. Exodus chapter 1 or 2 is what I want to talk to. Uh, two things, and this really, um, man, this hit me yesterday. Um, one, of, one of God's faithfulness. Number one, he's going to be faithful when we're unfaithful. And we will be unfaithful. I mean, that is what's so amazing. He will be faithful when we're faithful. But um, I have two friends. It happened. One happened last night, and one's going to happen, I think, on Thursday is when he's flying out. Um, a friend put um, her daughter on a plane to London for two years to study theater. And, you know, mom doesn't think it's, you know, God's calling and, you know, and... It's tough, and your chicks aren't all in the house, and, and you know, there'd been a season where all our chicks were, you know, within 10 miles of each other, and now they're starting to spread out, and so it's really difficult for her. So I was thinking about her, and then I was thinking about another friend of mine, Vicki, who's putting her son back on a plane to go back to Iraq, not with the mission board, even though he was there for two years with the mission board, and, and not in the military, you know, but he's going back to help another friend start a for-profit business in Basra, so they won't be in Baghdad. They'll be down further south. 
Um, but uh, but he, he has more freedom to share the gospel in that environment. So here's, you know, so here even God's, whether this is God's will for his life and God's calling and it's great and all that stuff. But just those are two big things. And I thought about Moses. And God protected Moses. When that mother, and it was a real mother putting a real baby in a real river with live crocodiles that had been feasting on Jewish babies for, for months, if not years at that point. Put that baby in the reeds trusted God to protect that baby, and then was rescued by a heathen princess. And so both of my friends, I sent a text to one, and Vicky was with me, and I said, all I know is this. God protected Moses, and God will protect your kids. And if Because he, he's faithful. He is faithful. And we will have no idea what the rescue would be, especially for my friend that sent her daughter to London. I just think, We have no idea what she, he's going to do to rescue her, because he will rescue her. We have no idea what, it, what it's going to look like and how it's going to be. God's faithfulness. We have to know the word to know that. And then the other faithfulness, and we won't spend a lot of time on that, that, I, that really spoke to me yesterday as I thought about his faithfulness, was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, when, when the king said to him, bow down, I'm not bowing down, bow down, we're not bowing down. And he said, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And he said, you can throw me in the fire, but our God might deliver us from the fire, and he might not, but God is still God, and we're not bowing down. I mean, they were faithful. And God was faithful, too, along the way because he showed up in the furnace and um, with them. And this is the thing that, was so, that really spoke to me was that um, God showed up in the fire. They came out. The, 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 the cords that bound them were gone, were burnt up, and they had no smell of smoke. And as I shared this yesterday and as I thought about it today for our class, how, how are we not desperately hanging on? to not get thrown into the fire when it's the very fire that God will use in his faithfulness to set us free and deliver us from some of the things that we're struggling from. I mean, once that happened, it was a great deliverance from Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he didn't come a believer then, but he, they didn't have any problem not bowing down anymore and eventually became a believer, and that had to be a testimony of that. And sometimes we struggle and we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. And it's the very thing that's going to set us free. And I've done it before, and I'm sure you guys have too. That very fire we want to keep from. And that doesn't mean you go run into every fire on the same side. Trust God's faithfulness as we walk through that fire and um, that he will do it. And little things and big things. Little things and big things. Um, The next point, in verse 93, it says, um, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. God's word gives life. God's word gives life. Psalm 107.20, and this is a huge, this is a verse that I, I quote a lot and I can never find it, so I always have to look up the reference. But Psalm 107.20 says, He sent his, out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He sent out his word, his commandment, his precepts, his, his word. He sent out his Bible and he healed them. And I'm a big believer and I've done it personally. You know, I've been sick. I've popped in a CD and a word and I've, I've quit being sick. I mean, I didn't get healed instantly, but I believe, I'm like, okay, Lord, this is what you were, your Bible says you sent forth this word. I've had friends that their children have had night tremors, you know, night, awful nightmares. And um, they would put the word, play it on the CD, just have it play continuous in their room. And the kid would quit, you know, and acknowledge it. You know, okay, Susie, you know, if you wake up and you're scared, listen, Jesus is right here talking to you. You know, he sent forth his word and he healed him. I've had friends, this one lady, she was, it's an acquaintance. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know her personally, you know, real close, but I knew her. And I knew her name. And, um... She 
I mean, it really, she was in a really crazy environment and life was crazy around her with children and kids and all, and she felt like she was going crazy. She said, I cannot focus on anything. And so she started playing the word, getting earbuds, and as she slept at night, she played the word um, just all night long. And of course, I couldn't go to sleep with that, but, but she could. And she went and she said within, you know, 30 days, it was like she started getting her sanity back. Nothing changed around her. Circumstances were still crazy, but it healed her. And he sent forth his word and healed her. And that is, you know, I, I believe that so much. Um, his word also gave life. Genesis 1, you know, 3. I mean, we've all, pastors taught about it, and we, um, we've all heard it before. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be light, and there was light. I mean, these things we know to be sure. His word will give life. And, um, and then before I hit that point, you've got to go to John 1, which I love being in John, you know. Verses 3 and 4 and then 14. John 1, 3 says, All things are made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the, son, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that is what's going on in our own personal lives. If we need life, if we need light, we need discernment, we need direction, let's bring Jesus Let's bring Jesus into it, because he is life, and he will bring deliverance. Those things we know for sure. God's word is forever. It's fixed in heaven. It's not going to change. <laughs> you know, and we some, I wish it would change. I wish there would be some exceptions to some of these words, <laughs> but they're not. They're going to hold true, in the good, for the good and for the bad. You know, uh, a, a gentle word turns away wrath. You know, a fool, if he keeps his mouth shut, will look wise. You know. I mean, so those things are just basic things that we know to be true. And, of course, salvation that we know to be true in there. Um, he is faithful, and his word displays his faithfulness. And that's what's so wonderful about having that we can pull from. Okay, God, you were faithful in my life. You were faithful in Joe's life. You were faithful in Moses' life. You'll be faithful again. And God's word gives life. But then it comes down, and this is where it comes down to the, the hard part, the three things we must choose. Number one, and this goes back to verse 91. Number one, I must believe all things are his servants. 91 says, by your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. And I think that is, um, I think there's two ways to look at that. Number one, God is, God's sovereign, period. But God is sovereign in the midst of free will. And I've, I don't know this to be true, but this is just sometimes how I think about it. How many people did Jesus need to go to, how many people did the Father need to go to before Mary said yes? I wonder if there was others before that he would approach and said, you know, you're, and, he, and they, he bucked against it. I mean, look how much Moses fought against it. So you know that, the, you know, angels of the Lord are appearing to him and they fought against it. I know this to be true just because of my own personal life. And I might have shared this story before, but I was real early in my walk, probably 94. I'm sure it was 94. And um, I was at this charismatic Pentecostal church and so they were doing things a little different than I thought. Now I think it's normal, but it was a little, you know, I was kind of checking it all out. And, and, um, and they were, he was doing an altar call, just a prayer, an altar, come forward if you want prayer. And so he called people forward, then he said, if you feel led to, to come and pray for these people, then come forward and pray for these people. And I was sitting here, and my friend was sitting here, and I think we actually were standing by that point. My friend got up and walked to the altar, and almost immediately as she walked out, the Lord spoke to my heart to go pray for her. And, of course, I immediately started arguing with him. You know, who, I don't know about the church. I don't know, you know, you know, okay. Where Ellen is sitting, right behind me, 
That woman got out of that chair. I'm arguing with God. I mean, he's not listening to me anymore. That woman got out of the chair and went and prayed for my friend. And he's like, I will accomplish my, my will. I'm going to do what I want to do. Are you going to join me or not? I mean, I'm going to do it. So God's sovereign even in our free will that goes over that. He will override us. And so I don't want to miss out on that. And then the other thing that I think is important for us to realize, and this is where it comes into about, you know, he can move, I mean, he moves the king's heart like a river channel. We got problems, we got difficulties, we got struggles. God can move someone's heart, our authority in his heart. That's not a problem. God can do that. We just need to be obedient in our thing. You know, uh, how does God move a river channel? Time and pressure, you know, and we say, give me the time with my boss or my husband or whatever, and, you know, I'll put on the pressure, and the Lord's like, no, you give me the time, and I'll put on the pressure. And, um, and so he can move people in the midst of their free will. The other thing is um, that that doesn't have free will, the animals is a perfect example. And, I mean, how did all the animals get into the ark? I mean, Moses didn't have a whistle, you know, and heard them up. I honestly believe that God just said, you know, you, elephant one and two, you guys head on over there. You know, two ants, you guys go on. And they did. My friend Carrie was in Canada, and she lives there. That's why she was there. And I was talking on the phone, and it was a late winter, a late, a late winter, and so the geese weren't, they needed to not come back until, like, June, you know, whenever winter ends in Canada. And Carrie said, um, you know, how do they know? And I said, because they have no free will. And God said, go. And they got up out of the lake, and they didn't say, oh, you know, it's not good. The Joneses aren't leaving yet. We're going to miss them on the way. I mean, God, everything is God's servant. Whether they have free will or they don't have free will, God will move in those servants. And we need to believe that and trust him in that. And that's where we start getting, you know, I don't trust him in that. Okay, God called me to teach a Sunday school class. I didn't trust him to give me rest fast enough, you know, or even to get me home, you know, but he did and got me up and, you know, I mean, I woke at 6.30. I mean, I've only been sleeping four and a half hours and the night before I only had about four and a half hours sleep. And that, I mean, that's usually one night's sleep for me because I love my sleep. And the Lord said, no, get up. And I feel great. I'm not, I'm not like struggling through this at all. Number two, we not only must believe that all things are servants, we must believe that he will save. Verse 94, I am your savior. And we need to understand that he paid a huge high price for us. He cares about us. He's concerned about us. He will save us. And when we're in crises, instead of trying to go and fix it ourselves, we just need to say, okay, God, you're going to save me in this. You know, seek wisdom, what I need to do, you know, but show me what I need to do in that. He cares about us more than we can imagine. Zephaniah 3.17, we've talked about this before. He dances over us. He rejoices over us. He loves us and cares about us so much that we can't even begin to imagine what, it, what it's like. And the, the picture I have in, um, in my mind right now about that is, I know for me, just as an aunt, and I can't even imagine as a grandmother, um, I can remember going to Andrea when the boys were sleeping, you know, when they were little tots and you wanted to just nibble on their toes and everything, and I'd go to their mom and I'd say, can I get him up from the nap? You know, has he, has he napped long enough? Can I just go and, and, I mean, the babies, I mean, they're like, you know, less than six months old. I mean, they're, it's not like they're getting up to play with me. I just want to hold them. Can I go get them up, you know? And I believe the Lord loves us even far greater than, than I love those boys. And I think sometimes, I mean, when I'm sleeping, I think he dances around my bed and says he wants to wake me up, but he knows that we need to sleep, so I need to sleep some more. And he's, you know, waiting for me. I don't think he turns to Gabriel and says, Gabriel, is it okay? Can I get her up yet? <laughs> I mean, he knows. But that, if he cares that much about us, 
You know, if we care that much about just this little baby that can do absolutely nothing for us, how much more does he care about us that he's bought us, paid for us, that he's going to save us and take care of us? He just asks us to know his word and to follow his word. That's all. That's what he's asking. And when we do it, we're blessed in the midst of those things. And then last, and I, this, is, this, is, um, this is amazing. 96 says, well, the, the, the blank is, I must believe he is not limited. He is not limited in any way at all. And um, I wish I would have had more time to, to really study this, but I have seen a limit to all perfection. So David's saying, look, I have seen even perfection was limited. There was only so much. But your commandments are exceedingly broad. There is no limit to what you can command to do and what you can make happen. And what that really speaks to me is what do you need? What do we need? And let's just stop, take the time, and say, God, this is what I need. Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, this is what I need. I need peace in this area. I need hope in this area. You know, God, I I, I need you to help me figure out my finances. God, I, I I I need finances. You know, Lord, show me how I can find more finances. Show me what I can do to make a difference in that. Lord, I need a companion. Hey, I need, to, I need wisdom to know about this or that path I need to take it at work or at home or whatever the situation is. You know, I need peace for my kids. I need protection for my kids. You know, Carolyn's sent them off to Canada. I mean, it's not Iraq, but it's, it's not the chicks aren't here in the house, you know, and I, she needs peace in that. And that might be a moment-by-moment kind of thing. But those are the things. What do you need? Uh, A little book that I've talked about in here that I love so much for the family. And it has one little line that I love, and it's called, it says, Holy Spirit, come into our greatest needs and give us a revelation of Jesus. And that's really what it is. What do we need? We just need Jesus. We just need Jesus. And And it's just... Everything, how, many of, how many of us have been in crisis, whether it's a car wreck situation or, or maybe a death, and, and you're the caregiver, and you, like, hold it all together until that person, whoever that person is, you know, a mama, a friend, a spouse, shows up, and then you lose it because all of a sudden they've shown up. I don't have to be in control anymore. I don't have to hold back. I, don't, I can just let it be. And that's, you know, Jesus wants to be that person all the time in our life, just to come in and say, hey, I got it. I got it. What you need, baby? What do you need? And I think he just longs to give us what we need. What do you need? And all tied back with, you know, Psalm 8411. He withholds no good things that walk in righteousness. So he's not going to say yes to everything. But man, he is going to bless us. If it's good, he's going to give it to us. And he wants to give it to us. And it's available to him. It's not even hard. It's not even difficult. You need a house. You need a job. You need something moved. You need somebody to act different. Okay. Okay. We can do that, you know? But nine times out of ten, this is what we don't like. You know, I wish my mom wasn't such a difficult person. Okay, well, Colleen, I need you to not respond so awful to her. Oh, wow, mom's not so difficult. You know, I mean, that is, now that's sometimes how it works, and we need to be willing to obey, you know? And that's where the, the, the catch comes in, and that's where it comes in. These things we know to be true, but then it comes down to we really believe it. Do we really believe it? And so much of, I know in my own personal life, so much of my problems come down to lack of unbelief or lack of belief. It's my own personal unbelief. I don't think God's going to come through, so I have to fix it. I don't think God really loves me, so I don't even try for something. Well, this is all I'm worthy of. You know, I've had to settle because, you know, because I'm such a bad person. You know, whatever fill in the blanket is. And it's like, God's like, no, 
you're great and you're wonderful and you're fantastic and I love you and I want great and wonderful things for you. What do you want? You know, I desire you more than anything else. Your beauty is, you know, enthralled by the, the king is enthralled by your beauty. What do you want? What do you need? And he can provide that for you. So my challenge, you know, I'd encourage you guys to do is to really take some time this week and find that 15, 20, 30 minutes, you know, even if it's just taking a whole quiet time, which is hard for me because I have things I want to check off when I do my quiet time, you know. You know, but to just sit and just really just make a list. Lord, in these areas of my life, you know, and personally, my body, my mind, my soul, my spirit, and my relationships, and my work, and my resources, and my kingdom ministry to believers and non-believers, this is some of the things I need, Lord. It's like, okay. And I think it's okay to do that. And we're not going as a Santa Claus. We all have enough of a relationship that we're not, you know, you know, we... We're not just going to him in our need in our crisis. We're coming in a non-crisis time, saying, "Help me work through this." And I think the Lord will be faithful to do that. So let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I thank you for these ladies, Lord. I thank you that you are all we need. You are everything that we need and far above what we need. And um, Lord, I pray that just as we go through this week, um, me as well, in um, preaching to the choir and sometimes, and I'm preaching to me and others, Father, and I just. I ask, Lord, that um, just day after day we would see you in a unique way and that you would reveal to us that Jesus is all that we need and you would make that very clear in our lives. And, Lord, that you would practically give us ways to make that happen in our lives and to show us a path that we need to do in that and that we can bring Jesus into um, every area of our life, Father God. You have chosen to come and dwell in us. Your intimacy with us is so great that you live inside of us. And so, Lord, help us to know how to access that and, and to meet our deepest needs. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.